of the falling is coming to be, and the sleeping shall arise and wake up in accordance with the prophet Isaiah. They shall renew their strength by the spirit of the one who died for them. And the gods of the earth shall fall headlong, and the power of the Creator, the maker of heaven and earth, the world incarnate, through who all things were made, the rising sun, the scorching of which shall be felt by all continents, shall break out in India, break out in China, break out in the United States, break out in the Latin America, and he shall break forth in the, in, in the, in the continent of the Australians, and Australia shall see the glory of God, and Africa shall see the rising sun of the Father, and the glory of heaven shall saturate the whole continents of the globe, even to them that have not been mentioned by men, and they shall come out of their tombs by the divine revelation of He who created them. In this season of your visitation, O God, I break every chain that the enemy has used to bind some. Every man under heaven that you have ordained, that you have, you have brought into salvation, I pray for them, my God and King, that are many of them with chains in their feet. I command chains upon God's people to be broken in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Some have been deluded by chains of religion. Some have been deluded by chains of opinion. Some have become so dry like stick that even when the, the, the rain of God is falling, they feel nothing. I speak, Father, the clothing that Satan had put on many in the church. That prevent them from feeling, seeing, understanding, comprehending, receiving and moving in your spirit. May fire come from heaven and destroy the clothing in the name of Jesus Christ. I see some veiled in their faces. Father, remedy to veil. The Bible says when a man turns to Jesus, veil is removed. Whatever they have turned their eyes to that causes the veil. Father, I command those things to be destroyed in the name of Jesus, Lord of Nazareth. I speak, Lord, that the wind of God shall blow over the earth and turn the face of the people of God unto Jesus, Christ of Nazareth. The zeal of many that Satan has turned to us ungodly things. And they have become idols to God's people. Father, I destroy those idols by the power of the Most High. And I ask that the zeal of God will be turned to him that was crucified. The testimony of the church is this. Go tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised, and the gospel is preached. The gospel has been kicked off many from many altars on earth. Father, every altar that Satan has established in churches, let your fire destroy them in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. People who believe in Jesus 
They go every time to buildings called churches. Because they are looking for Jesus. How can they know? When those who should show are blind. Further. When the altar has been restored. Replaced. By human ideologies. Let your fire descend and consume all altars in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. May the old altar of the word of God be established in every altar. May the authority of heaven rest upon every lips that speaks on the behalf of Jesus. My God and my King, I pray. May those who follow you, between you and them across the globe, I see religion. Father, may, be, may the spirit of religion be taken away from the church. Amen. The purpose for the, of the gospel is that man be free. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so, my God, as you have broken the veil and tore the temple curtain so that mortal men can enter into holy of holies, everything that man had placed before your people that hinders them from entering to your holy of holies, let your fire descend and destroy. Let the God of the Spirit from the bosom of Jesus connect to the heart of all saints in Jesus' name. After the wind is blown, the leaves vanish. After this month, every dry leaves in the house of God, every debris in the house of God, let them be taken away, Father. Let a new hunger come upon those who serve at your altar. Let apathy be taken away from those who lead your people. Father, let weariness of soul be taken away from the flock. Let the heart of the flock of God, the entire flock of God, begin to crave for the Spirit of God. My God and my King, those that the worldliness have taken away, Father, deliver them and separate them from the world. I say again, O oh God, every relationship that we shipwreck us in our faith, Father, may you put an enmity between us and them. May there be a separation between us and every association that will take us to hell. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hey, Lord. Lovest me more than this, says the Lord. Then feed my sheep. Hmm. Jehovah, may your church be delivered from selfishness. May the heart of everyone be turned to feed in the sheep of God. My Lord, some are running after ministry. May all ministries be destroyed so that Jesus can prevail. Father, I speak. Yes, and that's what you will do. Oh, thank you. For they will rot him from their foundation, says the Lord. And the relapse of man shall soon fail. As they will crumble edifice, empires, set up in the church. 
Baal and Baal in the name of ministry. Their hopes shall be destroyed. Their materials shall vanish like smoke. Their wealth shall become ashes. And then we will know who loved me, says the Lord. A new shoot shall spring forth across the globe. With a sword of righteousness and purity. Men and women who will not argue with what the scripture says. Or malign the straight path of the words. Lord Jesus, may we be counted worthy among them. Father, we bless you. In Jesus' holy and anointed name we are prayed. I want my pastors only to come forward here, please. Spread yourself on both my left and my right. It's not a day to preach, but it's a day to speak to you. I will pray over your oil when I finish. And those who among our members are working, because some of them are going to walk probably just now, some are at work, who had told me. Some was here Monday, uh, they were here Wednesday and yesterday. But today they had to go to work. But I want to talk to you and I will talk to the rest of you on Sunday. How would you feel when you call a feast for one of your most remarkable birthdays? Probably your 50th birthday or on the day of your wedding. And you invited guests, give them cards, everybody had known, and you got there at the time of the wedding ceremony and there was nobody there. How would you feel if you just had a few of your friends there and you waited and waited and they started coming in fragments? How would you feel that those who should serve and decorate your hall for the wedding arrived at the time the celebration should begin. So, because they arrived at the celebration time, they were running out as Kelter trying to set up the hall. But that is the time the celebration should begin. And then they began to say to you, I'm sorry. Because I was late at work. But this is an event of your lifetime. Which you have told them long ago. 
And those who did not come began to give you all manners of excuses. And take for instance, you happen to be the king of the people. And you are the one who sponsored everybody from their cradle to their professional level. And placed them in places of power and authority. Some of them you build houses for them. And others, you put them in capacity to do so. And on your memorable day, is the day they fix appointment to see other people. How would you feel? Jesus spoke about a parable when he was talking about his kingdom. And you know when Jesus talked about his kingdom, he's talking about the kingdom on earth. And he spoke about a man who called a feast and lavished himself and his wealth and invited his good friends. And every good friend had excuse not to come to that feast. Because when the time of the feast was up, he didn't find his friends. And the hall was empty. And so he told them, go to the highway and bring beggars and bring people who are hopeless. When they came, they removed the rags from them and they decorated them with the royal robes and conformed them to the statue so that they may be able to sit with the king. And he says, such is the kingdom of God. I think what the Lord was saying to us there was very clear. Don't take the things of God lightly. Because the remedy is replacement. Understand that Jesus had revealed himself through his parables. No matter how much a man is anointed before God or by God, the day you take him for content, you are already on your way out. To the last day that he will still use you, you will never know that tomorrow he shut the door against you. And on earth today are living men and women who tell stories of when God used to use them, which many know. But now it's only noise. There's no more presence. But I believe that that parable tells you that God replaces people. When you... Um, when you take his things for levity, if you don't take his church serious, and your duty and your role in church serious, and your position as in services serious, he soon replace you. You will never read again that those people who were replaced were reassigned. They were not. Second parable that he, he taught about he talked about a wedding banquet. And he said that um, when the ten virgins and then half of them had oil, but they had reserve. Because they have had in their concept, what about if the bridegroom come late? So they think about the bridegroom more than they think about themselves. So they make provision for the bridegroom 
in this in the in the in the situation that he comes late. But the other ones are also virgins and they were expecting. But they did not think about the bridegroom. They only think about themselves. So they didn't make provision. And then their oil ran out. So when their oil ran out, they now begged from the other people that please give us a little to share. And they could not get a little from them. Because they said, no, sorry, it's not possible. And then they went away to look for oil. And at that time, the bridegroom came. The amazing thing about it is that though they were all supposed to be in the family, but the bridegroom shut the door against them. When they came back, the bridegroom said that I do not know you. To those people. And that is talking about your commitment and my commitment in the household of faith. You know, why would the five not be able to give part of their excess oil to be shared? Let me tell you. My heart for God, can I share with you? It's impossible. You cannot share your heart for God with me. It's not possible. And my heart for God and your heart for God is reflected in the oil. It is our decision, not decision of God. It is our decision. I will together now. Then there is the story of the prodigal son who turned away from his father and he decided to go to a far country and associate with ungodly people. And he lavished all his wealth. And then, after a long time, he discovered that, well, the servants in the house of his father lived a better life and they had better food to eat because he was eating with pigs now. He ate the food given to the pigs. And then he made up his mind and said, and I will go and I will arise and I will go back to my father and I will say to my father, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I were together now. And he came back. But when he came back, the father celebrated him, and the one at home who had been serving was not happy. And said, Dad, why should you do that? I have been with you, you didn't celebrate me. Why is it that this guy who had, who had left you for years, he had, never, he, had, he had neglected you, he didn't do his job, I've been the one who had been keeping you, and helping the kingdom to go. And he said, the father said something, that why? Don't, you don't have to be unhappy. He was lost, but now he's found. And the father said, we have to celebrate him, but that is all his portion. He said, the rest of the assets belong to you. He has no right in that. But he has only right in the celebration. And once we do the celebration, that's the end of it. He does not have asset right to any of my sweat. My inheritance is all yours. There are many lessons to learn in it. The fact is this, they are both sons. Alright? The second thing is that he decided to leave his father. It's like someone who had been very zealous for God again for a long time and suddenly for one reason or the other because of focusing on yourself and taking away your eyes from your real core values. The reason why you and I serve God is not for anybody. It's for I serve God for me. I will not serve God and you receive my gift. It's not possible. If I close, if I worship God and I, 
I serve God so much in my house. And I receive the gift of vision. I'm the only one who will be seeing. Others will be asking me, what is God showing? Isn't it? God will not anoint the wife because of the husband's commitment. Neither will he anoint the children because of their father's labor. No, God doesn't do that. So, but the son that decided to go is just like that. Who have been enjoying all the privileges and then you begin to backstroke in the household of faith. In the season that God is crying about the blood of his son that was shed. That who will value the blood and then do the work for us on earth. And you that he has called, you turn away from him. I want you to understand this. That you can be in church, but you have turned away from God. Like the prodigal son. You now mix with people who are not born again. Really, you do the things that they do. You don't do the things God said. Do you come to church? But you understand also that God is sovereign in his power and very good God. He will make sure that such person suffers. Nobody's prayer will redeem their suffering. At all. Even if the whole world fasts for them, they must suffer. Because the remedy to prodigalism or prodigal son is acute suffering. God assigns suffering to a person who turned away from him, who had been with him. So that through suffering, that person may recognize that. But when I was with God, I don't always have that. The Holy Ghost continues to haunt them, to remind them, this is happening to you, it doesn't happen when you are with God. So that they may decide again to come back. Holy Ghost cannot help you unless you make a decision. Why Satan is telling them that, forget about it, just keep on going. You are not the one who died for God anyway. You know, you are not the, it's the church of everybody. Or you say that it's church of the pastor. But let me say this here, therefore. God will assign them a remedy of severe punishment. One punishment, a degree of punishment, if that is released and is not turning back, they will give him an increased degree of punishment. Let me say something to you. When believers turn away from God, they will continue with the rituals. Prayer, fasting, and they will have no remedy. Because when God is assigning a punishment to a man, prayer and fasting, he hates. Isaiah 58 tells you that. That your prayer, your fasting, I hate it. I'm not asking you to fast for me. You left me. I'm asking you to do what you used to do before. I'm asking you to come back with your mind and your heart to me. Not serve me with your lips. Giving excuses to God. You can't do that too long. Every day we excuse ourselves from God. We can never regain it for eternity. Even when we die, we can regain that day. Every day is short. And it's closed, and they report before the, the Father. And at the end time, for the last day, they will report. That is the reason why you and I cannot allow Satan to rob us of our commitment to God on a daily basis. If my husband will not serve God, I will serve him. If my wife will not serve God, I will serve him. Because we came to this world alone. Even if you are twins that came out together, you came at a different time. I will together now. They will bring one out for the other. When we die, we may die together in the same atmosphere. Maybe in the same room, in the same car, in the same plane. We die together. Maybe the plane crash, all of us die. When we die, the first thing that happens to you is that if husband and wife die together, when they exit their body, they won't recognize themselves that they were husband and wife. Believe me, I have encountered it. This is the last encounter the Lord gave me. And I told you when the Lord visited me, I showed that. This year, isn't it? When I said I have not known what happened when people die. 
And I said to the Lord that day, why don't you let me experience it? And the Lord made me die. That night. And I left my body. I told you, when I left my body in the midst of the angels that were taking me to my abode, I did not remember at all that I was a human ever as I exited my body. I didn't have any knowledge of the earth. And when they were taking me to the gates of heaven, when we were just a distance to the gates, the memory came to me that I was a human being and I left the world. And in all I left in the world, I did not remember I was a pastor or an apostle or I was in the church. I don't remember all that. Then the only thing that flashed my mind is my wife. That I have left my wife on earth. But as that thought came, it was not a boring thought or a thought of regret. As it came, it flashed. And instantly, I said, you take care of yourself. Because I've chosen my eternity. It didn't bother me at all. It was just like a reflection of something. And I moved ahead. And when I got to the gates that I was going to enter, the Lord was standing by the gates. And the Lord said, stop. And I said, Lord, let me enter. He said, no. He said, you ask of me, how do the dead, what is the experience of the dead? So I've given you the, the, the experience that you may know and tell them. And he said, go back. You have not finished your work. And I came back to my body. Listen to me. When we bury, we all say, we live alone and we die alone. So therefore, that's the reason why the Bible says, make the best of every day in your life. It's a principle of the spirit that should transpire over every other aspect of life. If you are going to school and you don't read daily in university, and when exam is coming, you start reading. You may be the most intelligent, but you'll be the most failure. Not because you should fail, but because you are doing the right thing at the wrong time. You don't have a child that you don't feed. From the end of the year to the middle of the year or the, where the year is to a quarter. And you see all the mates of the child now with flesh and your child becomes so skinny. Now you want to feed your child for, for the last quarter of the year with all manners of food so that it can regain all the loss of two-thirds of the year. You will kill that child really because his intestine has adapted to that starvation. So, to ignore God... Nobody escapes it, including myself. When we turn to God, we must turn to Him with fear. He's not our party at all. He's our maker. It's a privilege to be called His son. And a more privilege to serve under Him. That prodigal son learned by suffering. Association with wickedness and ungodliness must give you the same harvest of punishment. So, but he decided to come back. And when he came back, listen to me, the Bible said, though he was restored as his son, but not, he was not restored as an inheritance. I beg you, don't make a mistake to fall. I have not seen one man since I was a believer. And I've been a Christian now more than 40 years. 
Probably more than 50 years, really, too. Yes. 1966 to 2014. How many years? 48. Uh I've not seen one man who fell and came back to his position. I haven't seen one. And God uses man so much and he gets to their head and they turn away from God. If they come back, God forgives, but they are not restored back to their original position. Show me one on earth. None. And I've seen many fall from grace. So, it's the principle of God. He told the one at home. He said, the rest of the world is yours. Not for him who came back. He hasn't got inheritance anymore. He sold his birthright. God is a God of equity. The last thing I will tell you. How many of you love the Lord? Raise your hands up. If you love the Lord, wave me your hand. Yes, nobody comes to Him without loving Him. But then, though we love the Lord in our hearts, doesn't mean we really show that we do love Him. There are many marriages. The fundamental problem in many marriages is the inability of the man to express his love to the wife. I will together now. You women will agree with me. A woman, you can get the best of a woman if you truly express your love. But you see, the problem with man is that there is a part in man that is tantamount to pride. The, with that pride, let me not use the word pride. I will call it arrogance. Arrogance in definition is different to pride. Those of you who are lost students should be able to understand what I'm talking about. Let me say this to you. An arrogant man may suffer the same consequence of a proud man, but a proud man has more consequence that an arrogant man will not partake in. Because arrogance is temporary, but pride is permanent act. Arrogance is a circumstantial act. A man may not be a proud man, but he may be arrogant sometimes. Because of circumstances. Okay? But a proud man sits in the permanent office of pride. Why are you laughing? It is an office. You will never hear that God said God resists the arrogant man. No, he resists the proud man. But arrogance also is, it invites bitter consequences. So let me say this to you, therefore. Because of the arrogance of masculinity, some men felt that it is a weakness for a man to show love to the wife. And they suffer. The men who recognize that it is not foolishness, they have happy life. Enjoy themselves, I'm telling you. I am one. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Yeah. You know how to show love to your wife? I tell you. To show love to a woman comes from caring for her. Helping her to recognize you care. 
really are the most insignificant thing. Showing care. And also responding when your wife says to you that you don't love me. Okay? And not arguing it. Saying, what else do you want me to do? If your wife says you don't love me, you only need to look at the circumstance that prevailed at the time of the statement. And you'll be able to remedy the situation. And then the next few minutes or hours, the statement will change to thank you for loving me. I would together now. You are clapping. I am telling you something deeper now. Because it is by showing you things that are physical, you will never forget the spiritual. How does a Christian show to Jesus he loves him? Only one way. You know the book of John, 1 John, from chapter 2, he said, if you love me, we cannot say that we love him and not obey his command. Isn't it? All right. Uh, that person doesn't have First John 2 in his computer. Whoever claims to live in him must work as he works. Go further. Eh? No. Go to verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you may not sin. But if anybody does sin, really we won't start from verse 3, but let me read this. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense or on our behalf. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Now look at, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for our sins, also for the sins of the whole world. Now stop there. Let me show you something here. If you read the first verse, you may think that a Christian can just sin because Jesus is atoning anyway. Is that not? Is that not so? Yes, that is so. Let me read it to you again. Some people have told me that. Big men of God. That after all, I can see Jesus is atoning. Because says, my dear children, I write to you so that you will not. What is the purpose of the writing? What is the purpose of that writing? So if sin is good, why should you be written for the purpose that you should not sin? It's because there is something terrible if you contravene. But look at what it says, therefore. But if anybody sins, but adventure happens, we have one who speaks on, the, on our defense, or who speaks for us, to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. If you stop there, it, it seems as if, just if that is our word, Bible writes, it means that it doesn't matter when we sin, Jesus will, of course, atone for us. Isn't it? Can you see what I'm saying? Come on, help me. You know, the study of law changed my reasoning completely and the way I see things absolutely. It helps me to think different, really deeper into the world. But if you look at the evidence of the Bible, look at the next verse. He explained what that statement, that Jesus is atoning for us. What does it mean? What is the basis for which the atonement of Jesus will work or prevail over you? Alright? 
He now explains it. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the world, or the whole world. Okay, Jesus atoned for our sins and the sins of the whole world, isn't it? How does the world come to Jesus? By repenting, isn't it? Are we together? Did anybody, anybody among you got saved without repenting? Anybody here who you just got saved by sinning? You just sinned to the place that you got born again. I mean, sin became the entrance of salvation. Okay, so, if the scripture therefore says, He is the atoning sacrifice of our sin, which is He is the one pleading for the sins, not only of us, but also of the whole world. It means that the condition that brings remedy of sin for the world is the same condition that brings remedy of sin for the saints. I will admit, I might say something here. Lawyer, am I a good advocate? Good. That's my senior fellow. Now listen to me. There is confusion about, uh, in, the, in, the, in the television now and radio about uh, the interpretation of the current um, Attorney General and previous Attorney General concerning fundamental human rights, whether Britain should pull out or not. And somebody was saying today in the, in the radio that um, my view that the Attorney General is wrong is not based on sympathy. It's based on the principle, basic principles of law. I say, yeah, that is the right man. Anything he says after that can never be fallible. And the previous attorney said, British, Britain is wrong, based on law. It is the word of God. The atonement of Christ has only one condition, both for the world and for the saints, and that is repentance. For salvation that Jesus is praying for the whole world before the Father to happen to anybody in the world, unless a man turns away from wickedness, and turns to the cross. He cannot receive the remedy of salvation. So also you and I, if we go away from the Lord God and begin to sin, Jesus is atoning, but the atoning cannot prevail as a remedy unless there is a response from the one that he is atoning for, the atonee. You that he is atoning for. Look, God blesses a man on earth to be extremely rich. That man must have an attitude to work hard for the riches to be. The man God ordains to be rich and he blesses him with riches. If he chose the ways of sluggard, it is evidence according to the scripture from the book of Proverbs 6 that he will eat the fruit of poverty. Are we together? So therefore, if you say you love the Lord, now look at what it says now. Let's see the next verse. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his command, yes? The man who says, I know him but does not obey his command is a liar and the truth is not in him, yes? Five. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Well, if you read the further letters of John himself from chapter 14, when it was explained by the Holy Spirit, he said, if you love me, you will keep my command. Isn't it? But what is the command? When Jesus was talking to Peter, and that's where we're stopping. 
Before he departed, he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, I love you. He said, do you love me more than this? Peter said, I love you. They walked together again. He said, Peter, you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm leaving the earth. In a short time, you won't find me anymore. You will look for me. You only see me in visions. I will not eat with you again. You won't be able to go out and come and ask me questions and get an answer like that. Do you love me more than these? Peter said, I love you. They walked a little bit again. And Jesus said, Peter, son of Bajuna. When Jesus calls you your name and your father's name, you understand that he's saying something different. Formerly he was calling him Peter. He said, I love you. He said, ah, Peter, you son of Bajuna, lovest thou me more than all these? And Peter got angry. What are you talking about? I've been going on evangelism with you. And yet Jesus says, you love me. I've been praying with you. I'm an usher in the church. I never miss singing. I'm in the choir. Every meeting I am there. He says, do you love me? And then before Jesus answered him, that Peter, you don't understand. Those who love me do one thing only. They have concern for my sheep. Listen to me, if you are under me, if you don't make heaven, you won't like it forever. I pray that everyone who hear my voice on earth will enter heaven. I do not mince my words before you. I help you to know the, the living truth. I bind myself by what I teach. So that after I have preached to you, I will not become an outcast. Let me tell you something. You will never reap on earth what you did not sow. If you reap it, it will destroy you. Lottery money is a potential killer for all who win it. Go and check the record of all those who won it. They all went mad. Yes. And they come back to their position before the money came to them, eventually before they die. Those who do not die by suicide among them. Let me say this to you, therefore. What is your heart for the flock? As much as Peter has a record to tell Jesus I love you because of his faithfulness, Okay? Does all of you have the record of faithfulness? Talk less. The record of feeding the sheep. Don't you understand? You cannot feed the sheep unless you are first faithful to the service. But it's not just your commitment to church alone that the Lord talks about. He's talking about feeding the sheep. Let me say something to you. Yesterday I said that I was coming to see the Basma candidate. Yeah? Okay? How many of you remember to pray? Don't raise your hand. To pray for those souls that I was coming to see. I haven't announced it to you. How many of you remember to pray concerning today's meeting when I told that the Lord will meet you? How many of you remembered it until they came? And I said, don't come here without, first of all, talking to the Lord. You remember I said a statement that you should pray every, how many hours? I said it yesterday again and again. I repeated it several times. Have communion with God before you come to service. Before you appear to him, don't just rush to him and rush out. Hear from him the purpose of your going. 
How many of you carry the burden of the church in your heart? How many of you have a zeal? You know, we agree in our church that every meeting that we do, all workers should be there an hour before service. Is that correct? I, I can't hear you. I think you need to answer me. Now, all ordained leaders and workers, all ordained leaders are workers. What should you be here for? To do your Zechariah duty. If Zechariah was not there on time, on the day that he saw the vision, angel appeared to him. He will not, John will be born, but not through Zechariah. Because it is the man, when they cast the lot, it is the man at the altar who was preparing the church for the service, unto him the angel will appear. His destiny was interlocked with his service. The meaning of that is that he has heart for the Lord. We will have a meeting for eight, seven, some people will be here, even some will come here before seven. That's what I used to do. For God to trust me and use me, come on now, it's not by prophecy. What will I be able to do at seven? Check all the application is correct. Check all these stuff is correct. Make sure the, the, the ground is clean. Clean the altar. Make sure all these things are clean. Come with my own duster. Clean everywhere. That's what I do. Father, you saw me and you know before these people. I will do these things. Because in my heart, what can I do for God? What can I do for God? What can I do for God? Someone sees me now and he envies me. I'm so sorry for you. I have done it when you were sleeping. When you were sleeping, as a young boy like that, I grew like that. That's why those of you who are under me here should never think. You must know you have grace. I will together now. When I talk about the Lord Jesus appeared to me and he said this. Let somebody get angry and see Jesus tonight. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Let him get angry and see the Lord tonight. You will discover that it's not by anger. You can't do anything to me about that. The fact is this. When I was a boy, my mother taught me to seek him. My mother told me this. Because God prophesied about you does not guarantee your future. There are many people God spoke greater things about. They died for us. Work out your salvation with great fear and trembling. Listen to me, therefore. So, you make up your mind. Jesus said the only way we can show that we love him is to feed the sheep. From Sunday, we will have the privilege for every one of you, if you don't have a home you belong to, in your house, that one. Are we together now? If it's only you and one other person, it's enough to start home group. Start one. By Sunday, we will give you privileges. But if you have friends and you come to the church together, you live around the same area, then start one in the area. Decide where to have it among you. Do you know something? If you have a house on earth and you don't open that house so that the ark of God will be brought to your house so that people can be taught about God in your house, you shut your door from blessing. Financial blessing. Oh, my carpets. They will spoil it. Then God will not give you money to be able to renew the carpet. And he will not let people who will spoil it come. But mouth will eat it. And you won't have money to renew it. 
Let me say something to you. If you have a house in the world and you shut it away, when Jesus says you open your house, doors to strangers, the day you die, people who don't like you will come to that place. Don't you understand? They will come and say, we had she died or he died. Hmm? And unfortunately, where you are lying or laying, you can't come out to come and tell them that don't enter my house. So when you are on earth, why don't you let them enter? And use your Christian hospitality to show them the love of Christ. So that God will know that this house is for me also as a tool. That people may hear about me. Someone says, I have only one room. Ah, it's just my bed and then a little two chairs. You sit on one chair, invite somebody onto the other chair and share the word of God. Everybody started from one room. It's the womb of a woman. Are we together? Nobody was born in a flat. We were <laughs> it, is, it is one room in the womb. Really, the womb is so much one that it can't take more than you. Huh? <laughs> Hello? Your heart, this period I'm telling you, is that, Lord, what can I do to help you? That's what you should be thinking. Jesus, what can I do to help you? Father, what else can I do? I haven't done one thing. Say, Lord, I've done this now. Is there any other thing I can do to help you? Any one of you who can listen to me, the next few months, you will laugh. You know, many things you are struggling about, you couldn't get it. God will take care of himself. Because you are now taking care of the Lord himself. Do you love me more than this? He said, fit my sheep. Okay, he told me to tell you, lift up your oil. Let's stand up, please. Lift up your oil. You know, it is sweet to hear the voice of God. Mm. Ah. Close your eyes. I hear it in my spirit. Jesu emi yofi Okami fuwa Mojebi mokbeshu Gonwolegbani La ye la ye la 